Good morning and welcome back. I said at the end of yesterday's devotional that the underlying problem with the Corinthian believers was their arrogance. In today's passage, Paul will show why their arrogance was both misguided, they were arrogant and had no basis for their pride, and inconsistent with their calling as servants of Christ. Listen now as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-13. through 13. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled we bless, when persecuted we endure, when slandered we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Paul begins this section by addressing their misguided arrogance. In verse 8, Paul will use sarcasm to make his point. He will say things that are absurd to reveal the absurdity of their arrogance. He says that they have all they want, they are rich, and that they had become kings, without Paul's help, by the way. But they didn't have all they wanted. If they did, there would have been no reason for them to quarrel with one another. They certainly weren't kings. Paul has already reminded them in 1 Corinthians one twenty six that not many were of noble birth. Most of them were not wealthy, as evidenced by the fact that they were not powerful. Some may have had material wealth, but they were spiritually bankrupt. They would have been like the church in Laodicea that Jesus rebuked in Revelation 3, verses 15 through 17, saying, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or cold. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Paul will use the end of verse 8 as a transition. He says he wishes they were kings, so that men like he and Apollos could rule with them. But as it stood, Paul did not reign. He was called to suffer for the sake of Christ. Beginning in verse 9, Paul will outline his calling as an apostle. He does this to show that by suffering and being foolish and weak in the world's eyes, he and the rest of the apostles were actually overcoming the world and living faithfully in Christ. Here is what Paul says about his suffering. He says that the apostles exhibited or are exhibited as last of all. In the ancient world, it was common for captured prisoners to be marched through the streets to exhibit their failure to the cheering crowd. In this processional, the victorious army would be at the front, followed by the condemned. Usually, this processional took those prisoners to their place of execution, which explains what Paul says next. They were like men sentenced to death. 
given that most of the disciples died violent deaths because they proclaimed the gospel. Paul's words here should be taken quite literally. This was not to deter the Corinthians from remaining faithful. It was to remind them of the cost of following Christ. But Paul also knew that there is no reason for believers to fear death. The missionary Jim Elliott, who did die for his faith, said it well when he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Finally, Paul says that they are a spectacle to the world. The word translated spectacle is the word theatron, from which we get our word theater. Paul's suffering was put on display for all the world to see. Paul will now go on to rebuke their arrogance and show that it is inconsistent with their calling. Paul's words are intentionally biting and designed to stir them to repentance. In this verse, he will reveal what the church at Corinth thought about him and what they thought about themselves. His words are sarcastic and have the effect of telling the Corinthians that they are not what they think they are and that their arrogance is inconsistent with their calling. Paul provides three contrasts. First, the Corinthians said that Paul and Apollos were fools, but they themselves were wise. Paul has already discussed this at length to show that the Corinthians thought they were wise, but in fact were fools. They used worldly wisdom, but were ignorant of godly wisdom. Second, the Corinthians would say that Paul and Apollos were weak, but that they themselves were strong. Paul will address this in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 4. The world is often confused about the real meaning of strength. Real strength is the ability to graciously persevere even in the midst of persecution, not what the world sometimes imagines as strength. The third thing that Paul will say is that the Corinthians believed that he and Apollos were not respected, but that they were held in honor. This would be the case of judging before the world comes. When Jesus comes again, he will bestow honor on those that deserve honor. As it stood, the Corinthians were not due any honor from God. Paul will conclude this section by showing that the gospel gives power to overcome persecution and hardship, and he will show the way the world views believers is misguided. But it ultimately doesn't matter. Paul doesn't claim that his life is easy. He says that he and the other apostles are hungry and thirsty, poorly dressed, homeless, buffeted, and they labor working with their hands. All that being said, how did Paul and the other apostles respond to their situation? He says that when they were reviled, they blessed in return. This is a sign of both godliness and godly maturity. It is human nature to respond in kind when someone reviles you, but to bless is to imitate Jesus. In Isaiah 53, 7-9, the prophet reveals this about Jesus the Messiah. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, 
and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. The second thing Paul says about he and the other apostles is that when they were persecuted, they endured. Jesus does not promise his people a simple, conflict-free life. In fact, he promises us as his followers we can expect tribulation. How do we respond when it comes? When Paul was persecuted, he endured. That means not looking for revenge and continuing to trust in Jesus throughout. Finally, he says that when they were slandered, they entreated. To be slandered is to be lied about. Paul received this routinely. How did Paul respond? He entreated or he responded with kind words. And despite all this, Paul says they are still treated like scum and refuse. I think it's fair to ask, are we willing to endure this kind of treatment for the sake of the gospel? If not, it is time to reevaluate what we believe and why we believe it. Today, I want to close by praying for our board of directors. A few weeks ago, they sent an update on the head of school search, and we can pray for them now as they continue that work. Again, I will encourage you to go to the Spotify playlist and listen to one of the hymns that we have listed there. Please pray with me. Father, we are grateful that you are a good and faithful God. Uh, there are many times uh, that we falter under the pressure, uh, that we uh, give in to anger, that we grow weary uh, in the midst of, of persecution, even mild persecution. So, Father, I pray that we would endure and persevere and speak kindly and bless those, even those who try to hurt us. Father, I pray that we would do that so that the gospel would continue to go forth and grow and that you would be glorified. Today, I want to pray for our board of directors. I pray that you would give them wisdom and guidance as they continue this work that you have called them to do. I pray that you would bless them and make it perfectly clear to them, uh, the person that uh, you have for the head of school here at the Geneva School of Bernie. We thank you knowing that you are faithful, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.